This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you sign up for dispatches. There are different price options, 5 quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substack.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Oh, shit. You're listening to James McMahon Music Podcast. And I'm your host, James McMahon. And this is a spook. Media Production Hi there This is an accent tip for those of you Who've been asking about New York accents Okay, this is a fundamental Foundational tip That'll help you whether you're doing whichever borough you're doing and even uh, Jersey. Hey up. Yeah, I know I said I was going to take a short break from this podcast. Now we've hit 50 episodes. But tomorrow, my New York summer, or Nick Cosine, to give him his real name, releases a new EP, Life Before the Internet, on the ever-excellent Pure Noise Records. And it's a lovely collection of songs by a young man who I think is a bit of a star. And so I wanted to tell you all about him. This is a clumsy description, yet one that I think gives you a pretty good top line of what Nick does. The Millennial Dashboard Confessional? I'm just going to leave that there. And so a few weeks back, I had a really nice conversation with Nick, whose production work with more established acts you will likely know. And that I present to you here. And I thought, since his new record is out tomorrow, I should share the episode now before the record releases. I envy you, you. Nick is perfect, yeah. I can't work out how to say the name of the project. Oh, it's no worries. Um, it's really just an acronym. Um, so MNYS, but uh, for my New York summer. Um, that's a story in itself, but yeah. 
So would you say, if I was going, oh, hey, I'm at this festival, why don't we go check out MNYS? Or do I go, I'm going to go check out Minus? <laughs> I would say MNYS. Good, good, to, <laughs> good, good to know. Um, tell me about um, my, so your New York summer. Yeah, um, when uh, the MySpace era was uh, popping off, <laughs> I sort of had a uh, an artist project, acoustic pop. It was very cutesy and... Um, and, you know, I was just learning guitar and stuff at the time. So, but then I started writing and producing for other artists. So that kind of took the back burner and I stopped making music for myself. And over the years, I just sort of like really developed like what I would sound like if I wanted to do this again. Um, and two years ago, I had no intention really um, for anything to happen with it. But um, I used the acronym as sort of just paying homage to myself um mnys and yeah here we are <laughs> that makes uh, a lot of sense i tell you what i mean one of the reasons why i was drawn to your music is i think the songs are brilliant but also uh i was really intrigued by the title of your ep um before the internet yeah um thank well, you so much <laughs> firstly it doesn't seem like you can be old enough to remember life before the internet <laughs> Um, but I'm really interested in, I guess, kind of how the internet came along and changed our society. So, um, yeah. I, 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 how how old are you? I'm 31. Yeah, surely you can't remember life before the internet. <laughs> uh, well, what I say is, uh, I kind of um, remember the internet before its current state. Right. Um, and you know, I think now, especially as artists and creatives, we're just expected to be these content machines and pumping out music and videos and all this short form kind of short attention span stuff. And I definitely remember a time where that wasn't a thing. Right. And um, I think that's kind of like the kind of the message really, I guess it's before the internet as we currently know it versus, yeah, I definitely wouldn't remember before the internet. <laughs> it, it's weird. Cause I'm, I'm 41. So literally 10 years older. And I guess yeah. my, my, uh, I'm not. I'm not Gen X, and I'm not a millennial. And I think the title, which isn't used very often, but it really sums up my experience in my life, is Xennial. Wow. And I very I much heard that. Yeah, and I, I. So I. I grew up without the internet. Like I. I remember kind of being in my early, you know, early days at university, and then having the internet and not having a computer, kind of in the flat I was living in. But we would like go to this university campus building and basically just like hang out all night on the internet, just yeah. kind of like absolutely amazed at this sort of new technology and and so I, I didn't really have that experience of um i don't know almost like i think there is a lot of nostalgia for almost five six years after that um kind of people who grew up very online before the internet did sort of become something else but that's really right. like that's really your that's like kind of your teenage years really isn't it yeah um i remember i think the my earliest memory of the internet was probably um, when I was seven years old, having like AOL um, dial-up and um, having a screen name. And I my screen name was like Charizard 578.25. I don't even remember. But um, right. <laughs> um, that was kind of like my earliest memory of it. But I also remember just how quickly it became so advanced. And then things you were able to do in just a few years later, um, going into yeah, the wild west of the world um, and discover, being able to discover bands and all these different things um, very shortly after. And I, I think now we're kind of in that even transitionary period, you know, 
um, with this this whole Web3 craze and all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know. I kind of just like to really shut my phone off a lot of the time and <laughs> hang out with my dogs uh, because uh, it could get really overwhelming. Do you um, do you feel like the internet as it stands isn't very good for you? Um, I think it's um, in doses, right? I think like there are really good things that could come from it. And then there's sort of the, what I like to call just sort of the status game that a lot of people like to play. Um, and to me, I just, you know, growing up, I just, I didn't have anything at all. Um, and uh, it's just funny living in LA, especially um, where people seem to sort of think that this, um, this the material stuff um, really matters and these things that they do matter or people care about and it i don't know it's just really interesting to be but i do think there's a lot of good to come from the internet like reaching new people and like-minded people and finding a community for yourself um absolutely yeah (laughs) and i think sometimes that gets lost you know i mean you know i I spend an awful amount of time kind of writing or thinking or moaning about sort of how the internet has changed our culture but at the same time i mean you know i mean you won't be speaking right now right I, i it's amazing the way it kind of you know think of something like the pandemic and kind of how it helped people stay together across distances and so on but i think it's just um i don't know it's weird so i i have a uh, i'm currently locked out of my main twitter account uh like i, I got, saw that yeah 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 i got <laughs> I, I got hacked right and i hate twitter right i hate it i hate it i hate it um i would really like to have so much less to do with it but I find as a journalist, like actually having like I don't know, like thirty-three less thousand followers on this temporary Twitter account I've got, it's really kind of hindered my ability to work because it's been really hard to access certain people I might need for stories or, and it, I really hate how I care about that. Like that's not something right. that's not something that is in sync at all with my beliefs about how life should be lived. One hundred percent. I think you know it's probably people thinking. Um, I don't know. It's like a status thing, right? Kind of could go back to that in a way um, where yeah. it's like, oh, I don't know who the hell this guy is. Like, um, <laughs> why should I care? Absolutely. Kind of thing. And yeah, it's just yeah. such, it's just the opposite of what human nature is, right? If someone comes up to you on the street and it's like, I mean, for the most part, you know, it may seem well-spoken and whatever you can say, um, you're not going to say nothing. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. a very odd. Um, uh, but I will say, um, yeah, as much as I, you know, love and hate the internet, like Twitter, for example, right? I think Twitter to me, I guess, is probably like the um, the easiest to navigate, at least for my um, my brain capacity versus, you know, the TikTok age that we're living in and are expected to be on all the time. And it's just like, holy yeah, crap. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do feel... I do feel like if there's one advantage of my exennial status is I, I will probably die before you, but at the same time, I haven't had to deal with TikTok. That's definitely, <laughs> so, that's definitely something my generation didn't have to bother with. Um, did you see that story that was doing the rounds yesterday, like on a music tip? Uh, there was a story doing the rounds yesterday about a bunch of musicians, I don't want to say moaning, because I think they're in their rights, but... Yeah, the Halsey thing I think you're talking about. Yeah, and I think there was a bit, there was like uh, there was a TikTok video that had Florence Welsh from Florence and the Machine, yeah, and, uh, some other people. And I mean, do your I really like your label. They put out loads of music I really like. But is there pressure 
kind of on an industry tip to be making content? Yeah, I think like um, with my label specifically, yeah, they for sure would like me to see me posting a lot more. But um, just in the industry, I think that there are definitely artists that have it way worse than, you know, let's say someone like me. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, this like the whole virality thing is like, uh, it's just so, it's, I don't know, I was talking (laughs) with my team earlier and uh, we were talking about how TikTok has kind of birthed this like digital, not necessarily, but like the digital musician or artist. And it's going to be really interesting to see uh, when they have to start playing live shows and stuff like that, um, <laughs> how how it translates and how do people really care. And, you know, there's a I always say this, there's like a there's audi- there's an audience for everything. I, I think anyone who's crushing it and what they do, I, I'm just a fan of because uh, it's hard to do any of this, to be honest. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I just don't want people to get super caught up in the I call it the pump fakes, right? Like the the TikTok or the the fake playlisting and all that kind of stuff. It's just yeah, it's not yeah. it's not necessarily yeah. If you're seeking validation in that, I think that um, you should probably seek it elsewhere. <laughs> No, I think you. I think you make a really good point. I could talk about the internet all day long, but I should talk about your music. Yeah, it's really interesting that you are doing your own stuff now. You were saying that you kind of were always kind of plotting while you were doing this other work with other artists about what your project would sound like. But did you crave to do that, or was it just the kind of if this happens, it happens? Yeah, well, I, uh, I definitely craved it because the more that I continue to write and with other artists, um, especially like um, being in LA now. Um, I just felt like a lot of the people that I'd been working with weren't really trying to say anything meaningful. Um, and that really kind of just like, I started to resent making music, to be honest. And when I started up this project again, I was like, the only thing I care about in every song is whether or not I feel something before I put it out. And um, that's kind of just been my mantra the entire time is uh making sure that oh i got that feeling i'll put it out um and uh yeah that's kind of like how it all started that's a really amazing um almost sort of manifesto really of how to release music i appreciate it yeah um (laughs) but it takes a longer a lot longer i will say (laughs) yeah no i guess so i really like it so the song the kind of lead off song of dp is panic again right the lead off song is a song called garden statement um that's yeah. the first song, right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of just like you, really, isn't it? It's uh, it's very kind of skeletal, really. Yeah, it's just me. Um, I kind of did that intentionally because um, the way, I guess, like the way that I was producing and writing previously is like we kind of have these little loops that we write over. And um, for me, that just like uh, helps me write. I can write an entire song off of two two chord progression to be honest and literally just track it myself and all that kind of stuff so i wanted it to sort of be this um how i started making music you know feel like that and uh when i started putting out songs under the label i remember seeing all the comments and they're like this this kid needs to be in a band or like where are the drums and people being pissed off so i just thought that would be kind of ironic to start (laughs) start it off in that way so is that normally how you write then? Just basically by looping a chord progression or Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll I'll just have a chord progression. I try to write everything on just acoustic guitar or a piano. Um I'll write try try to write the entire song. 
wow. then I think the bells and whistles could come on, come in after. Um, might not be everyone's approach, but it's just has helped me um, find out what I want to say in the moment. It's just interesting, really, because there's a bit of a kind of like almost quite an archaic, not archaic, that's the wrong word, that sounds... <laughs> That sounds like a criticism. There's almost like a bit of a classic songwriting trope that, um, you know, I've heard like legendary musicians talk before about how, you know, you really need to be able to play a song on acoustic guitar or on a piano. Like that's when a song is real. But almost kind of that thing of you almost like playing over loops is almost quite, I don't know, it's almost like hip hop or something. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that's kind of like why I initially started doing that. And, you know, I play guitar and, um, when I get called into these, especially hip hop sessions, um, some artists will listen to a loop for, I'm not even kidding, like half a second. And they're just like, next, next, next. And um, if you're not able to sort of, um, you know, pump it out at that volume, you'll end up not being able to get a song, you know, placed or something. I just found that whole process just so daunting. Yeah. Because I was like, fine, I'll take all these uh, loops for myself. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll make something out of these. These are cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. I can't imagine how... I, I know so many people in bands who would absolutely love to break into um, like being in writing sessions more and writing for other people. But whenever I speak to people who do it, I often think that it just sounds kind of quite horrendous, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this is the entire reason I started this project. I always tell bands or artists, I'm just like, just be an artist. Like, I know it just doesn't seem like, just be an artist. Say say what you want to the world. And, um, you know, it's it just becomes very uh, daunting is the only way I can really describe it. Not to like, deter anyone from being a writer or a producer or whatever they want to do. But I feel like if you're not working with, anyone who knows who they are or want to say, it just becomes work. And I would much rather, I, I, I've worked full-time pretty much my entire life before um, signing any deal. So like, I would much rather work full-time than yeah, yeah. be tasked with that, to be honest. you uh, If you don't mind me saying, for a 31-year-old, do you seem like you've got quite a wise head on your shoulders? Do you, would you agree with that? Um, I appreciate it. I'm learning every day, um, just more and more about myself and the world and, the things that I really gravitate to, but yeah, um, I appreciate Where did you that. Grow up. I grew up in a in New Jersey, um, Patterson, New Jersey, right um, on the East Coast. Um, and uh, yeah, I grew up there, and then I uh, around eighth grade moved to Orange County, New York. It's like uh, two and a half hours north of Jersey. Yeah. There, yeah. Um, and yeah, very. I would say this. It's very. Um, those two places are entirely different. So like I mentioned before, I grew up um, pretty much in poverty. Um, and uh, it just, I grew up with like the most loving parents ever. And they're still together. And that was, I guess, like sort of like my light, if you will. <laughs> um, do you think that that experience, um, well, how do you feel like that shaped you? I mean, you, you kind of saying you grew up in poverty, but also almost kind of like rich with love and support like how do you feel like that shapes who you are today i think it it showed um i guess like it mostly instilled compassion i think for other people um which i think um and it also showed me how to be resourceful you know so um a lot of the stuff that i do in art and anything is very scrappy and i try to just learn it myself and um 
And then on the other side, it's like, I understand that not everyone has gone through, you know, a similar struggle or, um, and I just, I don't blame them for it. Or I used to be very like, um, angry because, you know, overcoming any sort of struggle, um, is, uh, this is just a, a task in itself. So, um, but then you realize that just because someone isn't exposed to sort of like your same lifestyle or they could be going through other things and they're how they feel about a traumatic experience may be the equivalent to like what you think your traumatic experience is. And even though if they're on completely different levels, how they feel about it could be just as um, relevant, I guess. Um, so yeah, I just have tried to take that approach. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really from, well, I'm not, I'm not from poverty, but I'm from a background, which is quite different to a lot of other people I've met in journalism, at least in my kind of early days. And I felt really, it's interesting to say that about anger. Cause I, I felt anger. Um, and it was like, I don't know. It just seemed unfair, but it was also, it was almost like I was kind of trying to overcompensate for the fact that I just didn't feel very, I don't know. I just felt like it'd been harder for me to kind of get there or I'd sacrifice more or, but even just sometimes it felt yeah. like I, I hadn't read the right books or I hadn't read, hadn't watched the right films or whatever. But I remember once kind of being really kind of like, I don't know, maybe not actually that great to be around really because of feeling these things. And, I met someone who, you know, I almost like looked at as having like tons of privilege and they were, uh, I remember talking to them and them talking about this awful experience of them losing their dad when they were young and how that kind of um, shaped, shaped them. And it is that thing of like, just everyone's got their shit, you know? Yep. 100%. You hit it right on the head. Um, it, and, uh, that anger doesn't really do anything for you, you know? Um, yeah. just, uh, that's at least, you know, in my experience, it's just never, ended well and just like holding it in so i mean luckily we both have outlets right we're <laughs> yeah, <you> can, yeah. <laughs> to sort of like put that somewhere because uh i honestly don't know what i would do if i hadn't learned it but like you said reading the right books reading you know watching the right um films and stuff i think is so important and i think a lot of um at least for me was has been just um just trying to find why i feel a certain way about um why I get angry about some certain thing or think something is unfair. Um, and what I, what I've realized is that obviously at this point I've overcome all of that. I've, you know, um, like I said, I like, you know, went to have worked jobs. I went to school. I did the whole thing, things that people don't do, um, from where I come from. And, uh, in doing that, I've learned that even being in the rooms where I thought would be, um, so I guess like life changing or like, oh, I finally made it. There's just some other shit that is even happening with these people, you know, like, it's like, yeah. it's just like, it just never stops. I feel like, um, so I actually, you know, garden statement, for example, is about basically that is like, even though I had really nothing financially, um, I was probably the happiest I was. Um, so, um, I say one of the lines is, you know, um, drove across the country, finally found what I was searching. If I did it all again, I would never leave New Jersey. And it's like, again, it's like living in LA. It's like I'm surrounded by people who are just status seeking. And, um, you know, I just have 
<laughs> I think now I'm like, all right, I understand what the music industry game is. I've, I'm not that I've had enough, but it's like I've had enough of like trying to play that. I'm playing a different game. I'm just trying to find myself. Everyone can play the imaginary climb the ladder game. And that's cool. <laughs> wow, man. Like, I feel like, uh, I feel like you're way further on with working this stuff out than than I was at 31. Like, I feel like there was loads of stuff that I tried to, I don't know, there was loads of stuff I tried to kind of fix in myself with um, getting the cool job or um, kind of like ticking off kind of ambitions from being a kid. But really, like, below that all, there was, like, something that I was kind of looking for that couldn't be fixed, really, that simply. And... um, it just sounds a little bit like you are definitely. I'm trying to remember what I was like when I was 31, and I don't. Think, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'd worked out like you seem to. Yeah, it's it's just a daily thing though, you know. And I and I'm sure you know that. I don't. It's not. I don't have to even say it. But I just um yeah, I just really resonate with um mostly people who have overcome some sort of adversity. Like I feel like if you just haven't, it's very hard for me to relate or just even want to open up or um yeah, because I just feel like I'm. Um, I know who I am, and uh, that's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, that was episode 51. Thanks to Nick for the chat. Thanks to Hayley Connolly for hooking us up. The theme tune is by the band Jobbers. And I'll see you soon. Are you ready? Yeah. Water. (laughs) Dog. (laughs) Coffee. (laughs) Forget about it. Perfect. Perfect. What's that? Calamari, like the squid. You mean calamari?